Your brain health matters. Welcome to the Let's Talk Brain Health podcast. Join the conversation on brain health and wellness with your expert hosts, Dr. Crystal Culler and Dr. Jonathan Arts, and respected guests. Discover ways to take charge of your total brain health, mind, body, spirit. Tune in to the latest brain care news, science-based tips, and practical strategies to build a better brain and live a brain-healthy lifestyle. By prioritizing your brain health, you are taking an important step towards living a happier, healthier life. Let's continue our brain care journey together with our next guest. I'd like to welcome Rick Gold, PhD, to Let's Talk Brain Health. Dr. Rick Gold has practiced acupuncture and Chinese medicine since his 1978 graduation from the New England School of Acupuncture. Dr. Gold has pursued an advanced studies in China, Japan, and Thailand. In 1986, he was one of four founders of the Pacific College of Health and Science, which has grown into the largest educational college of traditional Chinese and integrative medicine in the United States. In recent years, Dr. Gold has been working in the field of applied neuroscience and sound with Yuval Ryan, an award-winning composer and performer. Together, they established Meta Mindfulness Music, a company devoted to creating original music to facilitate meditation, health, and mindfulness. We welcome Dr. Gold to Let's Talk Brain Health Podcast. Thank you so much, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Rick, is there any additional information about your background that you'd like to share with our audience? Well, just because I know Crystal's in the Cleveland area, I'm an Oberlin College graduate, and certainly a lot of my intellectual grooming occurred uh, in the Oberlin environment in the late 60s and early 70s. I'd like to share is I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner who developed a strong interest in neuroscience from my work in my personal practice in meditation and healing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Gold. I think much like you've shared, neuroscience has penetrated a lot of different fields, especially with the latest research that keeps coming out. So we are grateful to have experts like yourself sharing your knowledge with us today. We tend to find that most people have an experience that has transitioned them to the type of work that they've had. Could you share a pivotal moment or the interest that sparked you into this field of sound healing and binaural beat? Certainly. It's very personal, which is actually back to Oberlin. In 1970, I did a month-long meditation retreat as part of the Oberlin winter term program where you did a, a month project in January that was anything you wanted outside of your major, if you had a faculty member approve it. And I did a month-long meditation with a Thai Buddhist monk who came to uh, Oberlin. And what I learned most about in that experience was how difficult it is for me to meditate and how much I have a monkey mind, just bouncing around like a pinball machine, really. But I recognized the importance of mindfulness, that I had to separate my true self from my thinking ego self, if we could use those kind of terms. And then really for many years, this has been an ongoing quest of mine is to learn to quiet my mind. And I have to assure you, it's still an ongoing quest. Over the years I've done, I lived alone in the forest for five years. I've practiced Tai Chi and yoga and different meditations. It's become a significant part of my life. Probably about 20 years ago, I was introduced to binaural beats by a colleague. And we can get into that a little more detail. And it immediately 
affected my ability to meditate and my recognition of when I was in a meditative state. When I dropped out of the chattering mind of, of Beto, da 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 and I started to find different levels. Now I use sound to facilitate my meditation most all the time. And I really find it and I feel grateful that I discovered this approach. It might be, technically it might be seen as a crutch in a sense, but it's a tough a pursuit to quiet the mind. And I don't want to do it pharmaceutically. So it's, it's, it's a very positive thing. And then just a very chance meeting occurred for me when I was teaching at a retreat institute called Esalen in Big Sur. I have a subspecialty in traditional medicine of Thailand, and they have a Thai body therapy, a somatic therapy. We'd commonly call Thai massage, but it's not really massage. And it's actually a meditative technique. It came out of the Buddhist monasteries and practiced by monks traditionally. And I was teaching at Esalen, and I, there was another class in sound and healing, and Yuval Ron was one of the teachers with a noted neuroscientist named Mark Waldman. And Yuval and I had a casual meeting. And Within a few minutes, I mentioned, is it possible to bring a higher level of musicality and composition to the realm of binaural beats and, and sound healing? Because a lot of the early binaural beats wasn't musical. It was just clicks, just beats. And he's a well-known Hollywood composer and performer, and he also a yoga practitioner, and he liked the idea. And so we created a concept of a structure of a partnership to create music and a caveat to, especially when we started out, was to use ancient wisdom traditions as a point of demarcation, to embark from that, to use traditional Chinese medicine, wisdom, Ayurvedic wisdom of the yogic tradition of India, Jewish, Kabbalah, and see where it took us. Sound healing is very hip right now. It's very in. Listeners, I want you to know that it's been around for, in Australia, they think the Aborigines were using didgeridoos 40,000 years ago. It's deeply embedded in Western intellectual culture out of Greece and Pythagoras and Plato and Aristotle. In Chinese medicine, our, our ancient text, the Yellow Emperor's Classic, the Neijing, from about 240 BC, each of the five elements are assigned a tone according to the musical scale. And even in the Chinese character for medicine, the character is built on two parts. Part of the character is herbs and grasses and things from nature. And the other part of it is music, happiness, and delight. And combining music, happiness, and delight with the gifts of nature is what compose a medicine in the ancient tradition of China. Rich, can you explain the science behind how sound affects our physiology, such as maybe what part of the brain is being moderated, modulated, and why it's such a powerful tool for healing? Sound seems to normalize imbalances and synchronize the cells functioning. There is ideas that each organ has its own vibration and frequency. And even before you manifest a physical disease in that organ, its vibrations, its frequencies shift. And if we can bring things back to a normal a vibration, we have the potential for healing to occur. So it's not like a targeted specific, but it could be a general benefit to the whole system. So, and it doesn't have to be music. It can just be tones and sounds. And it involves, it seems to redress imbalances. And what we know is that when the human being gets into a deep sense of calmness, that physiologic changes occur, which benefit general health. 
Now, there is some developing research of specificity of directing sound towards specific disease processes. There's not a lot of funding for that sort of thing, but it is, is growing. The NIH is showing interest in this now. So there is the potential to target in this way. But I think that it's if, especially if we think of in terms of holism and the whole being, mind, body, and spirit, that sound has the potential to reach into us without our cognitive mind evaluating and create potential. In the film industry, they call this psychoacoustics, where you create a mood with sound. I think the transformative thing that's happening is when functional MRIs came along, this whole realm changed dramatically. Again, it's empirically shown to be of benefit, sound healing, but now we can see the brain in real time and the efficacy and benefit and change that occurs with specific sounds and specific frequencies. And this is very exciting. Recent research was just published in the spring of this year out of Australia, where over 10,000 functional MRIs were viewed. The conclusion of this research is that the shape of the brain and the structure, the architecture of the brain, is more important for brain function than the communication of the neurons themselves. And this is published in major journals. It's peer-reviewed. And this really turns 100 years of neuroscience upside down, that instead of specific neuron communication, specific areas of the brain creating brain function, that it's a global event. They liken it almost like throwing a pebble into a, a still pond and watching the vibrations occur. And since our brain and the aqueous environment of the, the whole skull is water-ish, that's a very apt analogy of what's happening in the brain. But one other thing specific of research, and this came out of Harvard a number of years ago, is that if you meditate for 40 minutes for 40 days, there is measurable change in brain mass. And, and this was established in research. And so that became a target for me of a 40-minute meditation period. Probably two 20-minute sessions a day are good because that's what Transcendental Meditation brought to America in the 70s with the Maharishi. But if you can do a sustained 40-minute meditation, then you're going to create some benefit for the brain and the whole body. Thank you so much for sharing some of the latest research and how it's applicable to ourselves, our brains, and our lives. You've mentioned binaural beats before. Can you explain what binaural beats are and their effect? on our brain or brainwave activity. Binaural beats is a way of really targeting the frequency that the brain is receiving. You have to use headphones to accomplish this. One frequency is coming from one ear and one frequency is coming to the other ear. And the brain modulates that. It, it splits the difference. And I'll give a number to that. And the brain creates a third frequency that exists only in the brain of the listener at that time, that particular frequency at that moment. Now, when we can do this to achieve deeper meditation states like theta and, and alpha, we can also use it to create gamma, which is really very important and quite new subject on the horizon right now in, in research. And this is a way of creating a very specific brain entrainment. I want to use that word very specifically also. Brain entrainment is when we introduce into the brain, and therefore the whole person, because if you're listening through speakers, it affects the cells of the skin and the body too. It's a way of introducing a, a persistent beat, and the nature of our brains is it will begin to cycle at the dominant beat it's receiving. 
So if we want to achieve uh, gamma, which we'll talk about a little more in detail soon, we can do 20 hertz in one ear, that's beats per second, and 60 in the other ear. And the difference of that is 40. And that's how you achieve 40 hertz in that way. So that's how binaural beats work. Now, what we do in our music productions is that's all, I'm going to use the word buried. It's sublimely buried beneath the main beautiful theme that's occurring. And we chose to do this in all of our music. We also use what's called isochronic beats. And we also use, we do journeys where we, a theme will start with beats under the music just in regular beta, which is where we're talking now. These have to be little longer tracks too. And then we bring people down, slowing the brain down. I'm not going to say bring you down, but slowing the brain down, which is how many beats per second. And then we bring the listener back up. And so there's a deep rest. You get into a flow state. Neurochemicals are changing in the brain. The nervous system is relaxing. And then we bring you back up to an awakened state. I appreciate you sharing that because for people to understand that to use binaural beats, it's sound engineered to give you the benefits. As long as you're using a headphone, you can experience that through the music, which, as you've explained from my layman's understanding, to design is complicated yet intentional to get us some of these benefits for our brain. Perfect, Crystal. It's very intentional on our part as producers to create that phenomena. You'll feel it as a list. You'll feel it, especially as you settle down, but you don't hear it. In terms of research and the healing power of specific frequencies such as 40 hertz to increase concentration, alertness, maybe improve memory, and enhance learning, how do these different frequencies and vibrations impact the body and mind and sound healing practices? A lot of, of the information you'll read about frequencies is metaphysical and empirical. And again, there's, there's certainly validity to that, especially as a practitioner of Chinese medicine, which is an empirically based system of medicine. I don't disdain empiricism at all. But actually, hard research is not that available. Although now with 40 hertz in the gamma range, specific powerful research is coming out. Even with on our meta-mindfulness music, for the first 10 or so years of our work together, we weren't using gamma. Gamma really wasn't on the radar. We were taking people into deeper meditation states, which is really important and valid. And there is research on the meditation and the benefits of meditation and then sound healing's impact on that. Gamma waves is faster than beta. So where we're talking in beta, gamma is, I'm using my hand to show, up, up above our crown here. It's a much faster vibration, and it's not usually associated with meditation, but it's definitely associated with cognitive health and cognitive function. A few years ago, MIT published some really interesting research. It was an animal study with mice where they used 40 hertz sound and light, and what they realized that they were improving dementia and even early Alzheimer's in the mice in terms of the experiments that they were doing of memory and recalling. This is remissions available if you search MIT and gamma wave research. At the end of the animal study, they actually then biopsied the brains of the mice, and they saw that the tall proteins in the amyloid plaques had disappeared. It's not just that there was a, 
a measurable behavioral change. But what we know is a very important part of the physiologic change that happens in the brain when cognitive function declines had left. This was mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. Now, we can't do those kind of studies with human, but we can do the cognitive and then reducing of symptoms of dementia or behavioral changes. Now, when we saw that research, Yuval and I, it just lit our brains up and it changed the focus of a lot of our productions into creating music in 40 hertz. Now, interestingly enough, too, Western music, which is based on the piano scales, there's no 40 hertz note on a piano. So we're pretty much lacking that kind of sound healing in our Western canon of music. It's like a low E. It's close to that, like a low E bass, but it's not exactly 40 hertz. And what they've shown is 41 is not going to get the efficacy, and 39 is not going to have the efficacy. I hate to sound a little too mystical, but it's a magic number, this 40 hertz. And so what they did, and even some of the early studies, there was nothing musical, which just clicks that could become annoying. I'm a clinician, and one of the most important things as a clinician when you make recommendations to a patient is what's known as compliance. If I say, please drink less alcohol and eat less sugar, are people going to do that? And if you're asking people to do sound therapy for 40 minutes a day and it's an annoying click, you're going to get low compliance. So we decided to create beautiful music In our first productions, we used instruments that aren't really known well in the West. Sarangi, tal, sitar is a little better known, and sorry, sorry, flutes. These are musical instruments from the Middle East and India, Persia. And we created beautiful music. But within that music, it's a a triple dose of 40 hertz, because you can do binaural beats, you do the actual 40 hertz, and then we have overtones of 40 hertz coming with it. And so we've been working to create liaisons. George Washington University Integrating Medical School is using our music. Uh, Yuval and I have presented to their group. And like you guys in your work, we're committed to uh, trying to stop this tidal wave of cognitive decline that is already happening and is going to hit like a tsunami very soon. And prevention is going to be critical. If you're already waiting for clear signs of cognitive decline, you risk not being able to stop the tidal wave for that individual. But to your question too, so 40 hertz has also been shown not just to uh, help cognitive function, but in treatment of pain, even fibromyalgia, they're seeing a reduction in pain. Those are the main ones. So certainly memory. There's study here at UCSD in San Diego, the medical school of psychiatric disorders, specifically schizophrenia. They're training people to do biofeedback and neurofeedback. And if they could bring their brains to 40 hertz in the feedback environment, they've been able to reduce medication needs. So the potential is huge. And the challenge is really introducing it to the public and getting people aware of it. Do you think that you could use this binaural beats system on a headphone while you're trying to sleep or during sleep, or would that wake you up? It's not so much it wouldn't wake you up, but when the brain goes to sleep, something else is happening. And it's best to do this in a a waking meditative environment. But since you brought up sleep, I want to mention something extremely important in the realm of cognitive health. And it's, again, another recent discovery, and it came about because of functional MRIs, and it's called glymphatics. What they've discovered is that when we sleep, when we get into a deep sleep, 
the brain shape actually changes. And small, like microscopic rivulets, little rivers open up and allow the brain to drain metabolic byproduct of its dynamic activity. This is critical because I guess the general public some that has any awareness of brain health thinks that tall proteins and amyloids are the enemy. These are both essential parts of our brain architecture, structure, and functionality. The problem is, like all things biological, they go through a life cycle and then they have to be filtered out. And we used to think the brain was more or less a closed system. Well, that's not true at all because the lymphatics drain out of the brain and back into the limb system and then can be discarded from the body. So we're not going to get benefits of binaural in sleep, but the benefits of sleep to brain health cannot be overstated. Thank you so much for highlighting an important element that always comes up in our chat around brain health is sleep. Are there any other symptoms or ailments where you have found the use of sound therapy with other practices is useful for people? Yeah. So in our Meta Mindfulness Music, we made a production called Six Healing Sounds, which was based on traditional Chinese medicine, the five elements and then a six healing sound, which is an integrative energy in the body. And we used the tones that were described in the ancient text, and you've all composed on that, and our musicians played to that. And I'd like to add, too, all of our main themes are played by acoustic musicians, which has a much more vibratory vitality than computer-generated music. For instance, as a clinician, I thought, what are the main ailments that I see in clinic? It's gastrointestinal problems, it's sleep issues, it's pain, it's, I'm going to call mood disorders. So, for instance, in Chinese medicine, upper digestive problems are a struggle between the earth and the wood elements, between the liver and, and the spleen. So we use the themes we created for those, and like an alchemist, you've all wove them together, and we have relieved gastric distress. And so this is all empirical, and we put that out on our site, and we put it out on apps and especially an app called Inside Timer, which is a worldwide listening audience, and it's a free download app. I get notes from people how much this has helped. We have one for lower abdominal problems, which is we use the, the metal, which is the lungs and the large intestine. And people say that I listened to that, I was able to relieve myself, and I felt much better. Sleep is a, is a pretty direct one. And even the one we use for moods, we call Relieve the Blues. I get positive feedback on these tracks. And it's multicultural because, again, this is a worldwide listening audience. I get notes from Kazakhstan and Tasmania and uh, Russia, all around the world. And so there is empirical evidence that supports not just relaxation, but improvement of physiologic function in the body with sound healing. Sound healing experiences with gongs and didgeridoos and stuff are just mushrooming around uh, certainly our country here. And I think that it's already part of other cultures previously. There's a caveat to this too, which is a lot of the music and sound that is popular, it can be entertaining and it makes you want to dance and snap your fingers and stamp your feet. But it's not necessarily, especially repetitive dissonance is not really good for brain health. And along with that, listening to music too loud is not good for brain health because if we don't hear well, 
affects the information flow into our brains. Somebody out there that hasn't been using sound therapy or is interested in incorporating that into a regular wellness routine, how would they do that to enhance their brain health and wellness? In other words, would they go to certain sites? Like, How, how would they actually go about investigating this? Well, certainly you could investigate sound healing online and you'll get plenty of information, not necessarily scientific. There is an organization called Sound Healing Network out of University of San Francisco, which has a database and is accumulating research on that. But I would say, certainly by Gnarl Beats, you're going to be tethered to uh, earphones, although now all the cordless and Bluetooth, it's, it shouldn't be an issue. But certainly a designated period of time to just sit still is optimal. But you can use this as ambient music in the background. What I try to do in my healing work is to create a healing environment that goes way beyond uh, me as a practitioner. I stream our music throughout the treatment, and it gets people into like a flow state. It can be just integrated into your everyday life. I think many of us are accessing music in some way in our daily routines, or if not, throughout the course of the month. But to highlight an important element like sound healing music that is engineered for us in our brain to reach some optimal levels of health is something that many of us can have access to and try and see what will resonate with us, as well as talking with our providers to make sure we have this holistic health plan for ourselves. Dr. Rick Gold, thank you so much for letting us have this conversation with you today. As we wind down our podcast, we ask our guests three simple questions. What is one book that influenced your thinking on holistic brain health? Biology of Belief was a main one. It's about epigenetics and how we are not exploring our potential as much and neurogenesis, the building of new nerve fibers in the brain. So that, that's a book that I would highly recommend by Dr. Bruce Lipton, A Biology of Belief. And he has some wonderful lectures online, too. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's wonderful as we curate our list of books that people can utilize to support their own brain care, that we are getting different books and authors and genres for people on their journey to better brain health. I have a bit of a personal question for you. What is your one non-negotiable for your own brain care? Avoiding things to create inflammation. Inflammation is one of the unifying factors of decline of physiologic and, and emotional health. And it's a huge subject and worthy of many discussions, but reducing inflammation and trying to manage stress as best I can. Thank you for sharing that with our audience today. What is the one key message you would like all of our listeners to take away from our discussion on sound healing in binaural beats? Do it. Just do it. It's non-prescription. It's beneficial. It's therapeutic. It will bring you pleasure. It'll bring you calmness. It'll help you sleep. It creates an ambient environment of holism and, and holiness in, in some instances even. And I would really encourage your listeners to delve into it. And it doesn't have to be targeted music. I mean, if you love classical symphonic music, a lot of that music has health benefits in it. And try to have music to be as harmonious as possible, that, that you feel like you vibrate to a nice place with it. It puts a smile on your face and that a calmness occurs. 
doesn't mean you don't want to rock out or do other things, but to really give yourself a period every day for your health. The benefits of it and the rewards are innumerable and hopefully will bring more happiness, well-being, and peace. Thank you for emphasizing how we are all on our journey to better brain health together. Dr. Gold, thank you so much for letting us pick your brilliant brain on the Let's Talk Brain Health podcast. Thank you for investing in your personal brain care by listening to this episode. We hope Let's Talk Brain Health has provided new insights, inspiration, and action steps to support your personal brain health journey. We encourage you to continue learning about brain health science and hope you will share our podcast with others. We look forward to exploring more topics related to brain health in future episodes. Email podcast at virtualbrainhealthcenter.com with questions or topics of interest. We are here for you. Until next time, may you give your brain the care it deserves. Make your brain health a priority.